Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. It's good to see all your smiling faces. Karen, you forgot to uh, talk about all that is wrong in the world has been made right. No, it's okay. Your fantasy team is now in front of mine by 38 points. <laughs> we'll see what happens today. Sabes que? No, en pangal en mo. Realmente quisiera probar comida mexicana. No sé si hay latinos o mexicanos aquí. Tienen que ofrecer su comida para ese día multicultural. <laughs> so, we're going to go to English now. Really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> we understand um, and realize that not everyone has English as their first language. And as a result of that, sometimes uh, reading in English or speaking in English with confidence or even watching a video in English, uh, it, can be, it can be challenging or intimidating at times. And, and we're okay with that. And we appreciate and admire the courage that it takes to come into another culture and start trying to um, learn. And I did it a little bit in the Philippines, and it can be intimidating at times, and you have to learn to laugh at yourself a lot because yep. you uh, say and do things sometimes that aren't necessarily as relevant as you think they are. <laughs> or just be okay and, with uh, them laughing at you. Oh, that's never happened to you when you were learning Spanish. Oh, 100%. <laughs> but anyway, uh, come talk to us. Uh, we, can, we can try to help you through that. Um, if, if that becomes an issue for you, don't not take... Um, a course because of that intimidation, talk to us and we can work with you on that. Especially if you know Spanish and not so much English. Yes. I mean, Tagal, I can't help you with that. Yeah, and my Tagalog is 20 years old, so it's really, really, really bad an accent. I was trying to talk to a lady the other day and it didn't work so good. <laughs> but apart from that, cultures are a beautiful thing, right? Everybody's culture is unique and beautiful. Yes. And... And honestly, you know, going back to what Kieran and, and uh, Miriam were talking about, I love culture. I've been to a few different cultures around the world, but I love trying cultural food. Yes. And so please don't hide your culture. Share it. So on November 19th, we are looking for a few more people that would be willing to cook a dish from their native culture or family of origin that you would like to bless us all with. And uh, anyway, if you could just visit our welcome center after the service and let them know that you'd be interested in that, that would be uh, greatly appreciated. And if, you, if it is overwhelming because you don't want to do it by yourself, just let them know that you'd be interested, but you don't necessarily want to do it alone. And perhaps there'll be somebody else who will say the same thing and we can pair you up and, and uh, 
and this, help each other. This particular fundraiser event on the 19th is designed, um, Matthew House helps a lot of the non-government sponsored refugees that end up in Canada. Yep. And uh, we want to be a blessing to them. I think last year we were able to raise about $5,000 for them to help them. Um, and they've got literally hundreds of people that they're trying to uh, take care of their needs for and help them with their immigration cases. Um, on a very shoestring budget. So we, we just want to be a blessing to an organization that's serving uh, humanity in our local community. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about beware the days are evil. And how many know that Satan tries to creep into your li life very subtly? And, and it's not like he announces, hi, I'm Satan, I'm here, and I want to be involved in your life. And you say, sure, come on in. Or if he comes to say, listen, I want to kill you, I want to steal from you, and I want to destroy you, but I really want to be your friend. How many say, sign me up, Jack? No. <laughs> so, so what happens is there's ways, and you know, this time of year I find that Christians or Christ followers, which we, we are here, we, we follow Christ and his teachings and we try to be obedient to his commands. Uh, the Bible encourages us on how we're supposed to live. And, and it talks about things like our eye gate and our ear gate and the things that go in and the things that we see. You get defiled from within based on decisions that you make. But if you're feeding yourself the wrong information or if you're listening to the wrong information, it's not going to help you in the struggle against sin inside of your life. So this time of year, we see a lot of, you know, the horror genre comes out and people invite a spirit of fear into their life. And fear and love are kind of opposites. And God wants us filled up with his love, but we fill ourselves with fear. And then we wonder why we're struggling. Exactly. You know, and then there's the sex scenes in reels, through social media, the movies we watch and whatnot, it's more and more prevalent, and uh, it's very destructive. Yeah, it's going to destroy um, your ability to withstand temptation because you're giving more evidence to the flesh. Um, and then, you know, in this region, we find that there is a lot of witchcraft, a lot of occult activity, a lot of word curses, things that are spoken out into the atmosphere that affect you. I don't believe that Satan's more powerful than Christ, not for a second, but there's many Christ followers that believe that Satan has a lot of power against them. And the only authority Satan has in your life is the authority that you give him. Yeah. Yeah. And false beliefs. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I think false beliefs is a really big one. Well, they're all big, but it's an easy one to get trapped into because, you know, like last, what we were, I was talking about last Sunday, what Colleen was talking about last Sunday, you know, how many, how many of you believe a lie, a lie about yourself, right? Well, a lie is a false belief. Pause. Almost every one of you can put up your hand. I assure you, if we start breaking yeah. it down, true. And listening to your conversation, there's a lie somewhere in there you've come into alignment with that's shutting down your fruitfulness in an arena of your life. So True. Sorry, go ahead. No, nope, I'm done. Okay. I'm good. So how do we, how do we, you know, it, it brings me to the two trees in the garden. And, and if you look in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, I'll read it. Now, the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. 
When the serpent, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree which is at the middle of the garden. God said, You shall not eat from it, nor touch it, otherwise you will die. And she's adding even to what God said. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die, for God knows that on the day you eat it, eat from it, your eyes will be open that That is, you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. So there's a whole bunch of things here. Foundationally, we see that the garden was kind of the pattern for which later you see the tabernacle and the temple where you had the the trees in the middle were the place that people met with God. um, And and in the Holy of Holies is the place that the, the Old Testament people met with God at that place. And And you see that there was a river that came forth that brought life and sustenance, and the life of God comes forth and brings life and sustenance. You see the free will of man here, where how many know God gives you a choice? Mm -hmm. The tree of knowledge and good and evil always leads to the pathway of death. God doesn't kill us. He allows us to choose the pathway of death or the pathway of life. And, And... there's a, there's a dualism that people use when they talk about the Old Testament God is angry and evil and there's God is good and evil. And, and I hear it come out in conversations because I hear people say, well, God punished me with this or God took him or God did this. Or, or he's walking around with a great big stick waiting to beat me when I do bad. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all false beliefs about who God is. Jesus came to represent the Father. And Jesus came to represent the way of life. So within that freedom of choice, there's this, you either live life in your own strength or you live life in God's power and his grace. And living in connection with God is really something that we all need to come to the place where we realize um, we're either in the center of his will for our life, choosing the pathway of life, or we're not. But see, humans, you know, in the garden, Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent not to be content living as an image bearer, they wanted and desired to take the place of God. And today, the same thing is in effect in our lives in 2023, where people don't live content with being an image bearer, reflecting the image and likeness of God. They want to be gods for themselves today. We see this a lot. Yeah. So in 2 Corinthians 11.3, but I'm afraid that even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, your minds may be corrupted and led away from the simplicity of your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So there's this constant war going on for your minds, and it all comes down to what is truth and where do we get our information from. You know, and that's just it. Like the mind, we need to guard our mind. Um, that's where we receive information. And um, there's so much information and misinformation out there. Um, and it so subtly comes in. And I, you know, going back to the story in Genesis with uh, Eve and, and the serpent and how, you know, Eve just added just this little snippet, even though God didn't say, you can't touch it. I mean, why would you want to touch it if you can't eat it? Just leave it alone, stay away. But, you know, she made it sound a little bit worse than what God had actually said. And so there's, you know, even though it's little, but it's big. And, that, and it's so easy to mis, provide misinformation or to receive misinformation of what is really true. Um, we need to watch for that, that twisting of God's word uh, for our own personal benefit. Second Peter 3, 
verses 5 and 16 says, and remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of scripture. And this this will result in their destruction. You know, um, and I think this is, this is something that we very easily fall prey to, is when we find something hard to process, you know, we can intellectually perhaps under, gain some kind of an understanding, but practically it just becomes too difficult to process. We alter in our mind, you know, my perception of what is truth so that it's easier for me to live it. Anybody do that? So, you know, I think that's kind of what, what Peter's talking about, Paul's writings. Paul talked about some serious things. And, and um, people were twisting, even back then, they were twisting what he was saying, um, which is very destructive. To fit their own belief system. To fit their own belief system. So they made God in their own image as opposed to mankind who was made in the image of God. Exactly. Go ahead to Psalms 43. Psalms, okay, so this brings about the question, what is truth? Um, honestly, you know, that's a real issue. What is truth? You know, in today's culture, truth is relative, or is it? Um, Psalm 43, verse 3 says, send out your light and your truth. The, the passage they were talking about, uh, read from the scripture this morning, he talked about this concept of light, that we need the light. Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Why? To expose everything that's false within me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live, so that we can live in that place of safety, so that we can live in that place of knowing, instead of not the place of knowing or the place of deception, and be guided towards that. Um, Isaiah 65, 16, all who invoke a blessing or take an oath will do so by the God of truth. God is truth. There is no falsehood in him. The devil is false. So even, even the little lies that we tell or believe are purely of the devil. You know, we minimize the, the, the seriousness of it, but he is there to destroy you. Even the smallest of lies that you believe about yourself or about somebody else, they will destroy you. We need to go to the God of truth. So sin will always separate you from relationship with Christ. Okay? So sin is a big problem in the life of Christians because God's holy and there's this separation and sin puts us on the pathway to death, not the pathway to life. And... People try to rationalize sin. And, and here, I'll just give you an example of something that I read one time. The author was talking about how the premise was simply this. Um, you know, human sexual expression is blessed by God within the context of the marriage covenant, but they were trying to make a point that sometimes outside the marriage covenant, it was okay too. Now, I feel that that's going outside of the established truth 
from the scriptures, but their logic for it, and this is how they get the twist, okay? Well, when the adulterer was brought before Jesus, hmm. by law, she should have been stoned, but Jesus, he told her, just go and sin no more. He forgave her. Now, we know in the New Covenant, we don't stone people anymore, and that's probably good for a lot of us. Um, but part of it was Jesus, and they, they talk about how Jesus had wisdom and discernment. And, and the truth is, the man should have been there with her, and Jesus recognized that there was this system where the men ruled over and took advantage of the wisdom that was there. And, you know, they feel like he was confronting that, so they justified her behavior. Does that make sense? And, and we don't want to ever justify something that goes against God's established truth. So when people are trying to present wisdom and reasoning and logic to, to justify their wrong behavior, if it disagrees with something that's already revealed to us in God's word, it's going against the established truth of his word. And that's where you see the little twist where they start justifying things that are, that are the Bible calls sin. Yeah. And then when we do that, we accept the little things and then a little bigger, a little bigger, and all of a sudden, evil becomes normalized. That's right. And when you call evil good, that's dangerous. It's very dangerous. In fact, Isaiah 5, verse mm -hmm. 20 says, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, or that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Um, you know, there's, there's your beware, there's your warning. Uh, I'm not sure what sorrow that entails, but any kind of judgment or, or sorrow that may come from that kind of thought process or that kind of evil process, I want to stay away from that. I, 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 I want to run from that. And quite simply, how many of you want to follow the good path? If you want to follow the path to life, um, you need to make sure you're rooted in what the scriptures teach. But it's easy in the culture today, they call the evil path good. So yeah. if you just listen to the culture, you're on the wrong path, headed for destruction. You're about to go over a cliff and you don't even know it. Yeah. In Romans 1, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress truth by their wickedness. Suppress truth by wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. The world was created. People have seen the earth and sky. And through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities and his eternal power and divine nature. And they have no excuse for not knowing God. And my wife and I last week, as we were kind of wandering through some of the mountains and the trails that we were hiking uh, for some of the time we were away, that was one of the conversations that she brought up. She goes, how can anyone look at the splendor and the beauty of God's glory and look at the colors of the trees and the vibrancy and the life that's come forth and deny that God made this? Like, there's no way that mountains upon mountains upon just happened by chance. It's, it's too structured. It's too beautiful. It comes together too nicely. Um, there's no excuse for people to not know God, but if there's no fear of the Lord present in their heart... Yep they conclude improperly. You can go ahead and pick up in verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. 
Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people or birds and animals and reptiles. That's a various, a very serious verse or a group of verses. You know, how easily do we set up idols before us? I don't worship idols. I don't know about you. I don't worship idols. And yet, if my human body becomes more important or my desire becomes more important than his, then I have set myself up as an idol before him. Right? And so, you know, I think, I think it's a lot easier to put our own interests before him than we think. And that is idolatry. We come from him, not him from us. Right? And so he has to be first. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who's worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Now, in verse 26, the scriptures say, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Yeah. Now, I've, I've, I've listened to authors try to kind of merge the cultural truth that is called good with the biblical norm, and it doesn't, it doesn't flow well together. So for someone to make a statement that says um, heterosexual relationships and homosexual relationships, are, are, they, are they always good or evil? And they try to go, well, if we look at wisdom and if we look at discernment, you know, heterosexual relationships where man and woman come together and form a marriage covenant, and from that they're fruitful and they multiply, um, which is God's order that he set up in creation, and it's also his order that he set up in the scriptures. Um, but what happens if a man rapes a woman? Well, is hetero relationships always, heterosexual relationships always good? I don't think that that's part of God's design, nor is it part of his order, nor is it something that he condones. But it doesn't negate the fact that God designed heterosexual relationships and said they're good. On the same note, you could argue or posture, even though it goes against what the scriptures teach here, um, well, if two people really love each other and they want to live in an exclusive relationship and love each other, why, why are we condemning that as wrong? Because we don't set right and wrong based on what we think is right. It's not subjective to us. It's only subjective to the truth of the scriptures. And this is where we err or this is where we get off with these little twists of the word of God where we try to use these human wisdom and logic and reasoning to try to justify things that the Bible says are wrong. And in, as a result of these behaviors, it says their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murdering, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. In our culture today, it seems 
incredibly prevalent, this concept, disobeying your parents. I mean, I backstabbers, haters of God. No, 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 no. That, you know, that's them outside. That's not me. Insolent. But, you know, even in the church, even in the house of God, the disrespect for parents, the disrespect for authority, period, um, is very prevalent. They refuse to understand breaking their promises are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them as well. So in 1 Timothy 4, there's a warning against some of these false teachers that go around and teach these false truths. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, how many know that from the time that Jesus resurrected, we've been in the last days? Yeah. Just like, Sin has been prevalent in the earth since the time of Adam and Eve. We've been in the last days since the time that Jesus resurrected. But it says in the last day at times, and we're, we're getting closer to the end of the last times every day, but um, some will turn away from the true faith. So how many know there's some people that are going to turn away from true faith and they're going to follow, it says, deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Where do those deceptive spirits come from? It says demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. They say it is wrong to be married, wrong to eat certain foods, okay? But God created these foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks, okay? So if anyone's going to tell you, hey, you need to get married or not get married, like, like as a matter of practice, as a, as a minister, I'm a pastor, um, God says it's good to be married. So anyone that tells me as a pastor I shouldn't be, that's not a teaching that's going to come from Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I read a statistic not that long ago talking about marriage that um, divorce is actually down. But maybe it's down because people aren't getting married anymore. Yeah, less people are getting married. So another one is dangers of the last days. 2 Timothy 3, starting at verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, you think? For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. You know, this part here, they will act religious but they will reject the power that God could make them God. Sorry, the power that could make them godly. You know, I think this is very, very, very prevalent in today's day. Um, without the Holy Spirit, what do we have? The power is in the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, the way a lot of Christians live their life, they live their life based on their own personal abilities and gifts, and not under the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you the number of times 
where I hear these comments, oh, that person is so gifted, that person is so gifted, but they're doing it in their own strength and in their own ability. When they're doing something they can't do, that's the Holy Spirit. Um, and, it's, and it's very, very common. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. Um, again, we come back to this whole concept of, of you know, the promiscuous living and, uh, and, and way of life, and um, it's dangerous. Absolutely. Revelations 12.9. And the great dragon was thrown down, the age-old serpent who is called the devil and Satan, he who continually deceives and seduces the entire inhabited world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. There was a battle in heaven and Satan lost. He was defeated. As Christ followers who stand in the character of Christ, the nature of Christ, we also have the authority of Christ. Okay. And he wants to lie to you to tell you that you don't have any authority over him. But I think I mentioned it. The only authority Satan has in your life is the authority that you give him. Yeah. Okay. And, and it goes on in Titus. Well, jump to Titus 1. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving. You're going to find in life so many times people judge you based on what's in their own heart. Okay? It's because their minds and their consciences are corrupted. And such people claim that they know God, but they deny him by the way that they live. They're detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. I certainly don't want that to be the testimony of my life that I can't do anything good. I want to be a Christ follower who allows his love to transform my heart so that I can do good works to the world around me. But you know what, though? Good works aren't necessarily what he wants. Yes. I mean, it, he wants us to do good works. Don't get me wrong. Yep. But this is where we come into danger, is where we do good works on our own accord. In your own strength. In my own strength to get his pleasure, to receive his blessing, instead of seeking him and doing the things that he asks me to do. So there's a relationship aspect to that. The relationship is everything. And out of the relationship, the good works flow. Exactly. But that's what you want as a Christ follower. Yeah. You know, um, the fact that the days are evil, I don't think anyone can dispute. Uh, we all agree. The days are evil. We're living in, in precarious days. But because the days are so evil, what is our response? How do we respond to this? The scripture reading this morning said it very clearly that we are to make the most of every opportunity. But how do you do that? What does that actually look like? Well, Ephesians 5.15, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days and don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Yeah. Which you can only do if you're listening to his voice yeah. and reading his word. Uh, I like the way 
the, uh, that passage of uh, Ephesians 5.15, it said in, in the New King James Version, it says, see then that you walk uh, circ- circumspectfully, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know, in this passage, redeeming the time kind of gives the impression that we can go back and, and get it back. We can get back the time we've wasted. We can get back the time we've lost. But, you know, when you take it in light of some of these other translations, um, like Colossians 4, verse 5, where it says, live wisely among those who are not believers. Why those that are not believers? Probably because they're watching and they're going to perceive from us. But again, it says, make the most of every opportunity. The way that we present ourselves, we have to remember that we're always a reflection of the one that we serve. If we're serving Jesus Christ, we will reflect him. But if we are reflecting something that's other than Jesus Christ, we're reflecting the devil, which means that's whom we're serving. And then in Titus 3.8, this is a trustworthy saying. I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. Mm. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. So as you're serving him, as you're listening to him, as you're being obedient, everyone around you gets blessed. It's for the benefit of all humanity, not just the local of the body of Christ. And how quickly do we do that? John 9, 4 says, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. Why? Because the night is coming. If it's not already here. Um, And then no one can work. We're not quite there yet. But we're coming. It's getting there. But the days, it's getting darker and darker and darker. Work while you can. So we need to prepare, beware, and work in preparation for the days. Hey, we have time for 1 Corinthians 3 this time. Yes, we do. <laughs> 12. Yes, we do. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will di- disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Yeah. So there's this concept that all the works you do are going to be tested to the fire of, essentially, at the end of the day, God's going to reward you for the things he asked you to do. Yeah. Okay, because people do a lot of good things in their own mind, but it's not always what God tells them to do. Yeah. So you want to be reading the scriptures and being obedient to what he tells you to do and how he wants you to live. And, and the... The truth is, he's going to judge our motives when we stand before him. Why did you do what you did? Did you do it out of obedience and love for me because of our relationship and I was directing you in that? Or did you do it because you wanted to look good? You know, think of the Jewish religious leaders when they gave alms to the poor. They would go out on the street corner and blow a trumpet you know, and the poor people going, here's one for you, and here's a coin for you, and here's a coin for you. But their motive was recognition. Their motive was, pro- their motive was not just to help the poor. Because if their motive was to help the poor, they would just walk up to the poor and say, here you go. Don't need to blow a trumpet and announce it. And then it gets consumed, right? Yeah. So there's this idea here that 
God is the one that's going to judge all, right? So are you on the path of life or are you on the path of death? Which tree are you choosing in your life every day? Um, the days are evil. How are you maximizing the time? Are you making every opportunity? Are you looking to God for the opportunities to be a blessing? Are you looking for the opportunities to serve? Are you looking for the opportunities that he's placed in front of you? Are you sharing the love of God with others when he directs you to do so? Are you making the most of the opportunity? Are you not? All of your works are going to get judged, but are you quickly carrying out the tasks he assigned to you or are you taking your time in that? Yeah. Because some people, God speaks to you, you know, people tell me, oh, I'm going to go pray about that. I'm like, how long does it take you to pray about it? Four years later. Yeah, I'm still praying. No, I think you're just not listening. Or, or there's things that are clearly defined in scripture. Either we're not listening or we're not reading. Or we're not obedient. Okay, beware. Go ahead. We all have a choice. Again, this, com- this comes back to the whole aspect of free will. We all have a choice. What we do with our time, what we do with our resources. Are we building his kingdom or are we building our own? The days are in fact evil and yet there's so much good that can come from our lives if we have the right attitude and the right focus. And we focus our time on those things that last, those things that are eternal, those things that give God glory and bring a reflect, bring people's eyes off of us to him because all we are is a mere reflection. That's what, it, that's, that's what we are. We're a reflection. Um, are we reflecting the evil or are we reflecting the glory of God? and his righteousness, his truth. Okay, stand up with us. So, when Israel was told to purge the land of all the inhabitants, there was a reason for this. There's a lesson for us because every enemy that they left in place became a snare to them. And every stronghold that you leave in your life, every wrong idea that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, every false belief about who God is, every false belief about who God made you to be, every false belief that you've come into alignment with, it's a stronghold. Yeah. Every idol in your life is a stronghold. Sometimes you put your job or your husband or wife or your children in that place of idolatry inside of your life. But it's going to defile you if you leave a stronghold in place and it will drag you back into bondage. So often the death that you see or the areas in your life that are not fruitful are directly linked to us not obeying God and putting to death every idea that exalts itself above God in the evil and darkness. But I want you to understand something as we go to the table today. Satan comes to kill to steal, and to destroy. So if you see death in your life, destruction in your life, okay, it's the work of Satan. His work always produces death or unfruitfulness inside of your life. And many of you are frustrated because you're unfruitful in certain areas of your life. And, And Jesus is the one who 
conquered death. And God is the only one that can operate in the dead areas inside of your life. Because he's the one that calls the dead to life. He's the one that resurrected Jesus from the dead when he was dead. And if there's death in your life, you need to look to God because he's the one that can start calling life forth inside of your life so that the areas that have become unfruitful can start becoming fruitful again. So as we come to the table today, we have the, the bread in our hands and, you know, the Bible tells us to examine our hearts as we go to the table because he doesn't want us to partake of the remembrance of what Jesus did for us bitterness and resentment and anger in our hearts. So we're supposed to examine our hearts to make sure, hey, yes, I'm in relationship with God. I'm not operating in unforgiveness. I'm obeying God in the areas he's asked me to obey. And some of you, you know that you're directly disobeying him, but you do it anyway. And then you wonder why you're struggling in your mind and your thoughts and in your life and in your Christianity and trying to get some momentum in the right direction. Even your prayer life is struggling because of the double-mindedness in your soul. But we're to put to death the works of the flesh. That's why he says, I I die daily. I was crucified with Christ. I die daily, is what Paul says. Every day, we lay our flesh down and we let our inner man and his relationship with Jesus come forth to control the way that we live and let the Spirit of God dictate how we're supposed to live, not our flesh. So Father, as we have the bread in our hand and it's broken, just like your body was broken at the cross for our healing, just like we are broken and contrite before you, God, I thank you that we can humbly approach you. We can look to you, the author of life. Father, pour out your healing power right now on this this family of believers here. Restore mind, will, and emotion. Restore the will power back to your people today so that they can choose life in the pathway of life. Lord, for everyone that's confused, everyone that's been deceived and waylaid and stuck on the pathway of death, I thank you that you've pursued them and you want their heart and you want their heart back with you. So lead us to truth, lead us to the cross. Deliver your people today, I ask in Jesus' name. Father God, just as your body was broken, you hung on that cross, you shed out your blood, and you died. But you didn't stay there. As it says um, in Philippians chapter 2, but you were exalted, you were lifted up, you were raised up on high, and you received your reward, you were glorified above all other names. And that at the name of Jesus, every name should bow. Every person would bow and confess you as Lord. And so, Father God, we stand here this morning and we confess you as the Lord of our lives. We confess the lies that we have believed, the untruth, Father God, that we've allowed to permeate our thinking. We confess it and we allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we thank you for this cup that is a remembrance of that.
and we drink it together. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor RJ and Pastor Larry. That was an amazing message. I'm so glad we got to hear it twice because we heard things in the second service that we didn't hear in the first. <laughs> um, Romans 12:21 exhorts us to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. And you may be asking, well, how can I do that? We need to come properly dressed to the occasion. So when you go to a wedding, right, you dress up for the wedding. You put on a dress, and the guy wears a suit, you look really great. You go to the beach, you wear a bathing suit, you, you dress according to the situation. It's the same with evil. And we have clothing that God has given us, and it's called the armor of God. And we need to cover ourselves each and every day in that armor because that armor is there for us and it will keep us uh, from giving into that evil for one but also to strengthen us to be able to do the good that God commands us to do amen aren't you guys glad we have people like this in authority over us in this church just want to encourage you, we should be praying for them on a daily basis. They go through a whole bunch of stuff that. With thinking of that, I just want to ask you, you realize that you are the only light that some people are going to see. And it's so important for us to shine that. We try every morning before we leave the house to ask God that we can be the light in a dark place. We uh, moved 10 years ago from a new house we built to an old house downtown Amherstburg. And I was kind of wondering once we got in there why we were there. And then things started happening in downtown Amherstburg. Like this year alone, we had two drag queen concerts that hundreds of people show up to. We have every summer what's called the Uncommon Festival, which is the wrong word, it's a demonic festival. Right now we have a ghost tour. If you go down to the park house tonight, you can go on a tour around town with this guy walking and he will show you ghost stories and stuff. And we realize we have been put in that neighborhood for a special purpose. We are the light in the dark place. I just want to encourage you wherever you are at, let your light shine, be bold with it, speak it out and believe that people's lives are going to be changed because of the light of the Holy Spirit within you. It's powerful, and we need to utilize it. And I uh, was reminded as these guys were speaking today that uh, there's a lie. You know that the enemy is a father of lies. There is no one in this room that is not included in God's plan. One of the biggest lies he'll tell you is that, oh, it's some other people, not you. You're not included. You are included. If you are this side of the train tracks, you have been included in his plan you might have to proclaim to the enemy in the next two, three days, no, I belong to Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit living within me. Speak it out. But when you speak it out, speak it out boldly because it's the truth. The truth never fails. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go 